0: Welcome to The Road to Scholarship, a podcast dedicated to scholars in the community who are pushing the culture forward by collecting the wisdom of the past and moving it into the future. So please, join PhD candidate Maurice Robinson, aka PhD Rich, as he dialogues with intellectuals on The Road to Scholarship.
1: Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another episode of Road to Scholarship. I'm your host, Ph.D. Rich, and you already know, man, I got two wonderful scholars with me today who are going to enlighten us on the subject matter they have chosen to commit their adult lives to. So I want all my listeners to tune in and really enjoy what we, um, the knowledge and wisdom we're going to share with you guys today. First, I want to introduce my homie P, Priscilla. You feel me? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Then I got my homie Jennifer in the building. You know what I mean? Welcome, 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 hey, hey, hey. welcome. Let's get it. Let's get it, <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. So, P, let's start. Let's start with you, man. Introduce yourself to the people.
2: All right. So, hi, my name is Priscilla Thermidor. Um, I'm from Upstate New York, and I got into Africology through my master's, actually. So after my bachelor's, I went back to New York um, at University at Albany, and I got my master's in Africana Studies. And while I was there, I just, my love for learning about African peoples grew. So I looked into a number of different things. My main interest has always been mass media and getting into television and things of that nature. So, luckily I was able to combine both my love for media and my interest in researching our people's. So, after that, I decided, you know what? It's time to go bigger. So, I went bigger, went home, and I got into Temple and I got into the Africology and African American Studies program. And uh, since I've been here, I've been able to further my research in colorism, mass media, and ethnocide.
1: Nice, 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 nice. Yo, Jen, talk to the people, man. Let them know What's who you up? is, man. What's
3: up?
0: So I'm Jen, Jennifer. Um, I hail from South Side of Chicago. Um, I'm shytown Chi- town all the way. <laughs> um, so I started off at DePaul University getting my Bachelor of Arts in African and Black Diaspora Studies and International Studies, which was an interesting journey. I don't know if we're going to get into it later, but... Crazy how I just, you know, fell into the paradigm, but (laughs) I made it in and um, I decided to further my research in just African culture. I really loved music and the way that African people moved our bodies. So I decided to further the studies at Temple University. Um, And I was telling Priscilla right before we started recording that it's funny that it was between Africana women's studies at at Clark um, Atlanta or temple at Africology and the way that the divine works, Africology just fits right into it. Um, so in my studies, I focus on pleasure, not in the erotic or a sexual way, but pleasure in the way that we feel good, the way that is intertwined in the joy and pain of life. You know, that maze song. What are you going to do without, you know, the two? And it's it creates balance. What I've learned at Temple is it's that meiotic, you know principle of balance in our life. So how do we create pleasure? How do we, you know, survive in this moment and still feel good about ourselves, still live a satisfactory life?
1: Yes, yes, um, yes,
0: so yes, yes, yes. That's my studies.
2: Okay, that's super dope. That's
1: <laughs> super dope. <laughs> that's super dope. Now, P, you said some big words, man. I did. Colorism. What was the last word? Ethno.
2: Ethno side. Ethno side. Yeah. You gotta,
1: you gotta enlighten us, man. Enlighten us. Enlighten us. Just get into the, you know, the meat and potatoes of the things that you're studying right now, because all of those different things sound very interesting.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, colorism, I feel like, is a pretty well-known notion. It's essentially the idea that light skin is more valued or holds some sort of greater value than having darker skin, right? And then when I look at mass media, I look at how the perceptions of Black men, women, and children are portrayed in different television shows, in different documentaries, sitcoms, etc., and then I actually just recently introduced um, ethnocide into my research because I was going with menticide, meaning that the, our brains were being killed and through these messages that were being delivered through mass media. But I found that it's more connected to ethnocide only because it's our ethnicity and I feel like it's literally killing us as a group of people's. When you look at colorism and the outwardly effect that it has, it's not just like, oh, I want to be lighter because I want to be more beautiful. But there's job opportunities that are affected by this, housing opportunities, education, just a number of aspects of our life that are generally affected and with the increase of colorism we see the increase of mixed race fetishization we see the increase of skin bleaching and all of these things impact the black race with i'm speaking specifically to the american community but we do know it's a global issue right so but all of those things impact the black community and it's essentially killing us off because we're so concerned with a race mixing, b skin bleaching, trying to find a way to lighten our hues as opposed to just embracing our hues. So that's like the the bulk of what I got. It's quality
1: play. quality quality. Yo,
2: that's
0: deep. Psycho side. I've never <laughs> yeah. heard of that term and it just blew my mind because yeah. That's no psycho side. <laughs> that that makes sense. How the way I, Okay. <laughs> like two ways I'm approaching this. I think of in mass media the way that it's always, you know, the dark skin and the light skin friend. Whether it's men or women, I'm thinking of Martin, I'm thinking of yeah. on the Proud family, whether it's animated or not. There we always see this 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 image of just the way colorism plays in relationships and how one may be the aggressor or one may be, you know, maybe timid or not able to be outspoken like the dark skin person maybe. Right, um, absolutely. And then the other way that I'm thinking is that children are internalizing this and yeah. you know at age 7 children that's when they really start to see themselves in the world and I could just imagine the way that animations can exploit that for African children and absolutely. you know when you your household isn't, you know, encouraging that that self-promotion of your identity or, you know, your school, if you're not in a predominantly African community or if you're just, you know, one of many, um, one of many, but also lost, you know. Yeah. It's just, it, they're internalizing it. And it makes me kind of worried about what type of images are we bringing and promoting to our children. So.
2: Right. It's very that important. Is, powerful. <laughs> and <laughs> even if, like... I mean, children is something that I discussed um, uh, last year, but like if we even look at the things that we watch, like with Netflix and Hulu, like we have the ability to choose what it is, what type of content we're subjecting ourselves to. But even in watching P Valley, like as a person with my lens now, I could see the colorist uh, stereotypes that were being placed. Like the main stripper the bottom B, right? She was the dark-skinned girl, but she wasn't really that respected. Like, in comes this light-skinned girl. Now she's about to take the show. It's that same stereotypical of trying to pin black people against each other based off of our hues. And I just, I feel like it's something that needs to be addressed, so.
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely. Because then it becomes like a representation thing. Like, where if I want to represent black women... I feel like I have to have a light-skinned woman. I have to have a brown-skinned woman. I have to have a more uh, a darker-toned woman. Like I have to hit all of these things versus if I'm a darker woman and I see a light-skinned woman of my same ethnicity, you know what I mean? I should be able to feel represented seeing that the same way if I'm a light-skinned woman and I see a dark-skinned woman playing the role or lead in a movie or a TV yep. show, I should see her and feel represented um, on this in this casting type of situation, you know? But yeah. a question I have for you is, I mean, it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we are in this climate that we are in, and do you feel as though this thing is something that's being perpetuated in the media um, by people who want to create a divide? Or do you think it's something that might have started off that way, but now black people themselves are like reinforcing?
2: I think it's both. Mm. I think that in the beginning, there was a lot of, obviously we already know this is, uh, we're living in Eurocentric standards, right? Right. So I think in the beginning, it was widely dominated by white people, which it still is, but now we do have some more creative control. I think that in the beginning, that's how it started out, but now we have Black people who are trying to keep along the grain so that they can be successful. It becomes an individualist mindset as opposed to a collectivist mindset. So if we're looking at the fact that, oh, well, Kenya Barris, I want to be a very accomplished creative. I want to have all these shows on Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. But you're constantly putting light-skinned Black people at the forefront. When you have the power to do the opposite or to do something that's more representative of the collective Black race, you choose not to because you know where the money is. And the money is in the trope of making Black people come from rags to riches, or having a light skinned Black person be at the pinnacle of the society. And it's just something that we continue to see. I feel like Tyler Perry gets a lot of backlash because he's the only writer in the writer's room. He doesn't let, you know, he's not as open to other creatives helping him create as opposed to being actors in his scenes. And I think that he's actually one of the people that you see in array. Of people. You don't always see a light-skinned person at the forefront, a light-skinned person who is successful. Like you kind of you see the average everyday black people. And that's one thing to his credit. So I think that one of the things I was thinking about is like, oh, are we done with black trauma films? And we could say we are, but as long as these actors who have this access and have this power continue to be in these roles and accept these roles. It's never going to go away. So that black trope is never going to go away. The trope of having light-skinned people be at the forefront and be like the only signifier of black beauty, that won't go away as long as we as black people continue to accept those roles and positions and not to try... I mean, again, thinking about that individualist mindset is what I'm saying.
0: I'm like rolling my eyes over here because (laughs) like, when you mentioned Kenya Barris, he's one of the like main proponents of diversity in film and media. And I feel like people in those roles, in those diversity identity, political like um, settings, I feel like they're the the most, you know, black people that are pushing this agenda and are the most disoriented from what's the actual purpose of, you know, why they have this position and what are they going to do for the black image? And it just, it's, kind of disgusting for me like seeing the blackish the mixish the grownish that yeah. that trilogy or whatever because it's not the best representation of i guess black american culture i feel like it's so whitewashed i feel like it it's it's muddled down on what's really the purpose of our people and it's fake it's super fake and i Maybe my own personal bias against Tracy Ellis Ross, but I feel like every position that she's in, she's always putting on this mask for just outside world. And it's never genuine to what actually is her her role
2: in in any
0: of her um,
2: as a character. Well, the thing is, like, also we've all heard the saying "all skin folk and kin folk," yes, right? Yes. So I think that becomes very important when we look at the role of creatives and the role of actors in the world of mass media, because when you have someone like an Octavia Spencer who played a maid in The Help, she says, "Oh, I'll never play another maid again unless, mm-hmm. essentially, the money's right." Mm-hmm. So it's like if they can buy and sell us our talent they were buying and selling our bodies before like it's really no different so i i agree a hundred percent and i think that somebody else like with you mentioned tracy ellis ross mm-hmm. mara Braca Keel, she's like the creator and producer for a mm-hmm. few shows that Tracy Ellis Ross girlfriends being Mary jane um the half game. and half right oh the game i it might have been half and half too but yeah. yeah so for a number of shows but even in And even in those shows where she would raise, like, big feminist, like, issues, she wouldn't necessarily address Black issues as strongly as she should have. Or if she did, it was very stereotypical, like, having, being Mary Jane, that was one of my favorite shows because I was like, oh, I could identify with her. She's a brown-skinned girl. Like, she's powerful. She's this, she's that. But at the same time, she was hypersexualized. She was made to have this uh, superior complex because mm-hmm. she grew up wealthy. Mm-hmm. All of that is stereotypical. Yep. So it's like, can we just get some regular Black people to do some regular Black people stuff? <laughs> <laughs> because at this point, like, it, it's you're literally like you're still, even when you're trying, you're not trying hard enough. Yep. It's like there's a fear to break the barrier and actually just be, which is crazy but again we know this in the real world a black man can't just be on the street because a police officer might just pull up and kill him Mm -hmm. so it's like we can't just be in the world and we can't just be on television so it's a lot definitely a lot
1: that's a real that's definitely something really really important to take in because whenever I hear things like diversity and terms like that um it
0: You know the agenda. Yeah. You know know what it's going to look like. Because
1: it's it's never, the intention of diversity is never to create transparency amongst communities, Mm -hmm. you know, where communities can really um, interact each other and complement each other in a way where you can understand where I'm coming from. I can understand where you're coming from. It's literally like representational. Like, oh, we got one of you. We got one of you.
0: The quota system you we got, one of you, also, we got one of you. about to say. But we can't
1: just have one of you. We got to have two, three, and four of you because we don't want a community. We don't, because we're, I'm not trying, we're not letting you represent your community. We are representing your community by selecting you. Right. So because it's a, the new politics. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just not about to select one black woman. I got to select a couple of y'all yeah, because I'm representing y'all in this film, in this TV Mm -hmm. show. So when y'all see it, I need y'all to know, like, uh, it ain't just one of y'all. We need a few of y'all because y'all ain't the same person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to have a brunette and a blonde. You know, I don't need to have this and that because I'm not really interested in representing a divide in that community. Based off of these components, mm. but for this community that I'm representing in my quest for diversity, I'm going to create divisions by the different people I bring in to show like this is this is this is the differences within it. you know what I mean yeah. like and that's something that's super super problematic for me. It's always problematic me with for me whenever I'm interacting with any kind of media, whether it be movies, wherever it be um TV it B music videos and things like that like that's something I'm I'm definitely keeping in mind you know definitely thank you for sharing that yeah, you know what real, that course. was some <laughs> that was some deep stuff man that was some deep yeah. stuff An- another thing that we do on road the scholarship is we offer a bibliography mixtape at the f for the show in the description so if you don't mind you know what i mean share a couple of your readings you know what i'm saying and okay. the people can really get into terms like ethnocide and things yeah. like that you know what i'm saying
2: <laughs> i got you that sounds good so
1: let's transition into jennifer you know what i mean <laughs> yes. like, so- pleasure in the body i can see some correlation between um the two things that you guys are talking about can you, would you mind explaining yeah. your
0: um, and it's so nice to hear you speak about your research too, because oh, like you <laughs> we used to talk about making black trauma films. I think that that's something we should continue to do because how are people still enjoying life and still making it over? That's, mm-hmm. that's the right. part that we need to see. That's the encouragement that we need to see. Um, so that's honestly where I stem from as well, just media. But my focus is more on music because um, I'm a Cancer, very intuitive, and I've felt music since, you know, in my mom's womb. She'll even tell you, like, whenever there's a song on and I am I was rocking with, her body will let her know. So I feel like I will always take that purpose with me, and in my research, I find that music is a way that we experience pleasure, especially in the United States, because my, my work in theory, y'all, is that <laughs> hip-hop is the only institution that... Africans in the United States have that we're the only that manufacture it, influence it, impact it, style it. We we create it. It's a it's our own institution, and though we may not financially own it, commercially like or not commercially own it, but culturally we own it. Yeah. If Black people stopped making hip hop, it's a rap. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. MGK can't continue this Mm -mm. Eminem can't continue this Um, uh, who's uh, the the bad Barbie she can't continue this (laughs) because she's mimicking she's literally mimicking the joy that we feel as African people when we experience and we participate in hip hop Mm. so that's that's always been my focus since high school. Um, I did my senior thesis in high school on Beyonce and the impact of her work. And um, it was a com- um, a commercial she had for Fragrance Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fragrance. It was sexy. It was beautiful. And it was so explosive, like politically <laughs> <laughs> um, like <laughs> um, across the world, she was banned in Japan, the UK, Brazil, oh, Africa, like countries in Africa. It was crazy. They wouldn't, they wouldn't produce um, the commercials that she shot. They wouldn't air them, nor would they like sell the product or her music for like two years. And I noticed this in high school. My, this was 2014. I noticed this in high school. I was like, what, what's wrong with Beyonce? She just Showing some sexy skin She's just Flaunting her shoulders And maybe a little ankle But apparently That was such a big thing And that was really My first jump Into why do we As African people As black people In the United States Why do we feel This is okay And others don't mm-hmm. And I've just been Building on that And undergrad I studied Cardi B And that was the most yeah. Exciting <laughs> time of my life Because It was at Body. the start Of her career Right <laughs> <laughs> I love Cardi B because not only is she a hood girl like straight from the barrio, there's mm-hmm. no there's no taking her out of that element. But she had this drive that is different than what I saw in Nicki. It sound different than what I I found in in like Little Kim and, and Foxy Brown, as controversial as that is, how people love to make that. Connection. Like, yeah. <laughs> they try to do a timeline on African women participation in hip-hop and there is no real timeline. Mm. A- each woman has brought something different. And... It being ten years after Nicki, um, like literally emerged in hip hop, I found something special in the way that people embraced Cardi and the way that she used her voice, and um, I started studying the way she used her hips, and I was like, wow, people are like really, really like focused in on on this sexy woman, and what I found in Cardi B is that it wasn't just what she was doing but the way that she was doing and the way that 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 essence of her sexiness brought the crowd and once she grabbed them it was like a um a spell almost almost mystic almost and she used her voice to not only push for better like reforms politically i guess in Democratic party but also inform her audience that shit is not can I curse on here oh, yeah. oh,
3: it's cool it's cool
0: we are going to bleep it out for youtube okay. <laughs> but things are not what they seem she was like one of the first Black women that I heard speak about hip-hop very honestly and earnestly. She's like, yo, I'm paying taxes on this. I have to keep up with this image, not only because I'm a black woman, but because I'm also in hip-hop. I also got to do this and that. And I was like, wow, Nicki never exposed her troubles. Not in the way that Cardi does. Not in in a more um, authentic way. Mm-hmm. Nicki has always paraded herself. She was... I don't want to get into her too much. but I mean,
1: I think that's a valid point, yeah. just thinking about everybody else. and Drake is having problems in Young Money. Mm-hmm. Lil Wayne is having problems in Young Money. They're all notable, but you don't hear much from a Nicki.
0: No, and she's very private about that. And I understand it's it's a specific move, a specific choice, but it really doesn't do much for the people that are coming up. Nicki has not mentored anyone. Mm. You've been in the game for 12, 13 years now. You haven't mentored not one woman, not one artist, but you drop, you drop in new songs and new collabs with all these controversial men artists.
3: Mm.
0: What's, what's the issue with that? What's up with you, Nikki? No offense to Nikki because I love her and I will rap every single song that she has. Yeah, say that. <laughs> but it's just the truth. And it's the difference that I saw in Cardi. And then now I have Meg, who I saw literally create a campaign for a black woman. We've never had a campaign for Black women in hip hop. Megan using the hot girl stallion like trope and campaign because I, I call it a campaign, not a movement, not a hashtag. It was a campaign for women to step into their sexy and be confident, and also not let men run down on you. If you want it, go get it. If you got it, you have it. You you've earned it, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's you know something new that we can all kind of take from with Hot Girl Summer and you know the Hot Girl campaign. Yeah. Straight up.
2: (laughs) I mean, I would say I agree a lot with everything that you were saying, and I find it very interesting. A part of me wonders, though, if Nikki is so closed off because of, we were just talking about colorism and perceptions. Like, I wonder if she feels like it has to be me or nobody else. Like, and that's it's sad that we have to be in that position constantly where Mm -hmm. we're thinking, Well, if I do good for the community or I do good for somebody else, it means my spot is taken because like Maurice was saying, there's literally I need one, two or three of you guys. Mm -hmm. I can't have too many, can't have too little. Like, this is what I need. So uh, a part of me wonders if she feels like, well, if I give up my position, then I'm, I'm about to curse. But I'm (laughs) like, basically, I I messed myself up. You know what I mean? And then, like, with Meg the Stallion, I absolutely love her, too. I agree mm-hmm. with what That's you were saying. Friend. Yeah.
0: <laughs> best the, friend, I know you out there.
2: <laughs> the only thing about Meg the Stallion that I I didn't like, though, is because I didn't feel like it was a black woman campaign. I mm-hmm. felt like it was a, quote-unquote, woman of color campaign. Mm-hmm. And A, I hate the term woman of color. Say that. <laughs> but We're beyond colored at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and B, I'm like, I... I don't see why we can't just have something for ourselves because that literally was the perfect moment and the perfect time to Mm -hmm. have something just for black women. Yeah. And I felt like it was for any woman who wasn't white. And I was like, man. But I do. I agree. I hear where you're coming from and I feel like that's a great perspective. Like, I think it's super dope and I'm excited to learn more about your
1: stuff. <laughs> Thank I really you. Am. Thank you. Nah, that's real, that's real, that's real. Just thinking about that specifically when you were talking about Cardi B and like, mm-hmm. you know, hips and voice and all of these different things. It get me to thinking about communication in a lot mm. of ways and the modes of persuasion, you know mm. what I mean? And the available means of persuasion mm. and what is effective communication, what is effective persuasion, yes. you know what I mean? What, um, not in the sense of like an Aristotle or anybody like that, but it kind of in that vein, um, I'm thinking about the idea that I used to teach communications <laughs> at uh, Bowie State University, one of my first alma mater in undergrad. Mm. And uh, yeah. one thing we used to talk about a lot is how much of communication is nonverbal.
2: Absolutely.
1: You know, and I'm not, yep. please, I don't want nobody to take this the wrong way, but I think that Cardi is amazing because she learned from her previous work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. You talk There's about no being doubt. in a trance, boy, I could only imagine getting a dance from Cardi B. Yes. Like, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yes. Like, and just actually being in that zone, you know what I mean? And I feel like with her music, with a combination of her nonverbal cues mm-hmm. and what she's actually saying, you know what I mean, what she's actually um, professing, you know, I feel like it they work in tandem in why mm-hmm. she is so liked and why mm-hmm. she is so loved and how authentic her messages yeah. come off to Women and men, you yes. know what I mean? Like, and people of all races, you know, mm-hmm. like, and when I look at a Cardi B, I'm like, yo, she just seems like mad, like somebody who I can respect, yes. you know what I mean? I don't have to like everything that you represent and everything you stand for, but I can respect the authenticity of your experiences and how you share those experiences versus, you know, Rappers who are like shouting out Mitt Romney or somebody else. I'm not going, I don't call nobody out, but, but we have to be accountable for the things we say.
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all got to excuse the horns (laughs) in the background. We are currently in the one and only Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and, um. you know Mitt Romney. Mitt, Mitt Romney, Romney. <laughs> might J- as well. J- hey,
3: oh,
1: <laughs> And Joe Biden just won the presidential election. Y'all um, did
0: that, you yeah. Know what I mean?
1: So you know they turned up out here, you know. But um, yeah, just thinking about that authenticity, you know, which is the antithesis of the like. Well, all right, we're we'll never gonna get into that. But just <laughs> thinking, fancy right. word, <laughs> right? Just thinking about just that authenticity, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that cannot be overstated when you're talking about, um, you know, Cardi B and even a the Megan Thee Stallion. And I think that's something that people are appreciating. And I think Cardi B has yeah. transcended just this idea of being a light-skinned woman.
2: Yes, <laughs> man. Cardi is interesting, though, because she's transcended quite a few things when you think about <laughs> it. Like not only the idea of being a light skinned woman or like Afro Latina. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's almost created this debate about whether celebrities should even speak out on political issues yeah. because she is so vocal and so authentic. About her beliefs, she's
0: going toe to toe with Candace Owens, and she don't. (laughs) No one else has done that. No one else has done that. Ice Cube has not done that yet. I don't know. How can you represent us and you've never went toe to toe in the trenches with a real, a real Trump supporter? Like,
2: but he done. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he vote for Trump? Didn't he say he voted for Trump? I wouldn't. Because that was like the whole controversy with him.
1: Uh, Platinum plan him and everybody like that. I wouldn't put it past him.
2: I
0: know black folks in Chicago that voted for him. Like, ridiculous.
2: But the crazy thing is, like, it it almost all circles back to this individualist mindset versus Mm -hmm. a collectivist mindset. Mm -hmm. But with Cardi, what I can appreciate is that she uses her platform to speak out you know what i'm saying like you don't have to talk about police reform you don't have to talk about police brutality yeah. but you're using your platform to do so and to try to affect a change which i feel like a lot mm-hmm. of black people should do so going back to that whole all skin folk ain't kin folk thing like it's a lot of cowards among us but people aren't built for it and that's what people i'm saying it's a, it. it's a lot of cowards among us and One of the things I can praise Cardi for aside of her like nonverbal communication, because we know she got Mm -hmm. that on lock, is the fact that she's not scared to share her opinion, regardless of whether she's going to get backlash or not. She is okay with being her authentic self and speaking her mind. Absolutely. And actually, just to like connect
0: this in 2015, 2018 she had an mm-hmm. interview with ID magazine she was on the cover of ID and she mentioned how the gift of gab she learned in the strip club she used yeah. that in hip hop to one promote herself when she's in the in these meetings with executives also speak for herself because her management at the time was doing a a horrible job mm. and also the way that she used that gift of gab and her music to connect with men that was like a specific choice that she used so i i've always admired it because again nikki really didn't do it She just spoke yeah. to the men yeah and, you
1: know? Yeah. and you know i ain't mean to turn it into the cardi b but cardi <laughs> you know? b is a really good, I, I, I really like her only yeah. because like you know, I I've been tough on women in hip hop for a long time. Uh-oh, of I uh-oh, know, course. Yeah. I need to know why. Not surprised. <laughs> I mean, only because I mm-hmm. felt like they let men influence their how they relayed their messages. That's fair. For like significantly, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I love Foxy. I love but like they like men be taking a lot of credit for what they did. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Jay-Z still is claiming his influence over foxy brown like yep. till this day like yep. where we talk about diamonds of sierra, Le- sierra leone remix you know what i mean freeway and Foxy, like Tierra marie pd mm-hmm. watch me you know what i mean like oh, I'm, wow. and i'm looking yep. at other hip-hop artists reverence lil kim and, and biggie back in the day mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like but when I got into Cardi, you know what I'm saying? She
0: wasn't associated with a man uh, until, she, until, got she, married, until but she got
1: married. Until she got married to even. and QC. And quality control is definitely doing their thing with with Cardi career. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They are yeah. definitely putting in quality bit more. work. They could do a little <laughs> bit more, you know what I'm saying, for sure. But you can't dismiss her own grind. Yep. And when I heard Bodak Yellow, it was like the mm. first time, like, I was like, son, I don't care who's rapping this. This is hard. Liar. Yeah. Like this is hard. This is I could <laughs> go bar for bar yeah. with this song. Like, and that was something significant for me in particular. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. she didn't sacrifice none of her none of her womanhood in the creation of a very hard street mm-hmm. record, and that was something I appreciated. She
0: brought you into our world.
1: Yeah, she I brought men into
2: that. our our enjoyment, you know, like, I agree with you both, <laughs> but I don't want to knock Foxy and Kim and them too hard because the time has changed. There's no knock, they, You know what I? Yeah, I'm just you know what I'm saying because mm-hmm. I'm like, I hear what you're saying and I agree a thousand percent. But like the time. Has changed and she came in at the perfect time. She did not wait too long and she didn't like get in too early. Like Cardi literally dropped. At the right time, and I feel you don't think she so? no, should have dropped you, would four would years earlier.
0: I put that on everything. You said Gangsta she should B have volume one. Yes, she should have dropped in 2015. She should have been big in 2015, 2016. I don't I know. I respect Bodak Yellow, but those volume mixtapes one and two.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, Perfect. yeah. Like,
1: I'm yeah. with you I'm with yeah, y'all yeah, I'm definitely yeah, with y'all yeah. I'm 1,000% <laughs> with y'all
2: No No listen Because we could have A whole thing about cardio. For real so we
1: No I'm with y'all But it gets into Like you know I always share a little bit Of my research In these interviews as well mm, yeah. And my thing I call my I call my topic Rich in spirit Mm -hmm. And when I'm talking about spirit, I'm looking at spirit as an inheritance of life force, of life energy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But everything has force. That's what we're taught, right? Everything has force. Everything has a life energy. Even inanimate objects, even tropes, even concepts, even rap songs. You know what I mean? So, like, just making that connection with Cardi B and you know, Foxy and Kim and Trina and, you know what I'm saying? Because we, we can't leave out Trina at, at all, all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm <laughs> she not. held the
0: South down for a long time. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs>
1: but it's just like, um, I talk about one, one example I talk about is buildings. You know what I mean? Like you'll see a building and you're like, oh, that's a very tall building, wonderful building. But then the schematics for that building comes from, you know, another building. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's an advancement of another building that already existed. You know what I mean? Like, even if they're trying to do something differently from... They're going crazy. Yeah, they
2: yeah, are. what is this? Is this a Trump... Really? No, they, they, they were throwing they off the peace sign. I think they
0: were good. Oh, yeah, they good. They happy yeah. out there. Okay. Look, I, I, see, happy. I see other arms out the
2: window. Right, I, I wasn't to too think. sure, but I saw the peace <laughs> sign a couple times. So I'm like, oh, real, okay. real talk. Shout out to Philly, man. <laughs> okay.
1: But just seeing the continuation and the fact that we're all building on something, and we're all dealing with a force that existed before us, and how we handle that force. Well, some people will call it a platform, but I look at life as a platform. You know, this is a platform that was created for us by our parents, our grandparents and their parents before them. Yep. You know, I say that life is a is a movie that we star in, we direct, we produce, we cast. Mm. You know what I mean? We choose the people that are gonna be around us. We yep. choose the people like who we're going to privy into life with, you know? Mm-hmm. And um yeah, that's the one thing that I'm enjoying about just listening to you two guys talk about with um, colorism and, and ethnicity. I love that term, ethnicity. I'm going to be saying that all day, ethnicity. You know what I'm saying? And, and even with this idea of pleasure, you know what I mean? And this idea of trauma in media. And I wanted to get back to that. You know, you said that there is... Um, there is a utility for trauma and media. Could I you expand so. on that a little bit?
0: Um, you know, like you said, we have a purpose and it's normally built from the things that our ancestors have experienced, you know, things that have been poured into us. And if we haven't seen people making it over, then slavery was a choice. That's Mm. how I feel. Mm. If we haven't seen the struggle, if you haven't seen the steps, the strategies, like one thing I enjoy about Martin Luther King Jr. and all the movies around the civil rights movement is that the liberatory theology and the strategy that they used it was so powerful that that's something that we need to harness Mm -hmm. because Black Lives Matter right now doesn't have that, that, groundedness that moves us forward and mm. as radical as they want to be and separate from other movements, it's, it should be a continuous thing. So right. when we see these movies about, um, you know, birth of a nation and when we see uh, 12 Years a Slave, those movies are important to the way that we experience, you know, success, I, I want to say, or victory or mm-hmm. just those moments where we actually feel victory. You know, we need to see that and we need to internalize it because I feel like we'll be lost without it. Mm. We won't know what to do. We won't know how
2: to act, how to behave in the world.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
2: For me, it's definitely, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a tug of war for it. I feel like us being in the department, we don't necessarily need it, right? Mm -hmm. But I definitely see where you're coming from because, like, that victorious consciousness is not taught in our schools, Mm -hmm. like— so these kids gotta learn it a different way from somewhere. Yeah. So I see the importance of it, and I almost feel like that stuff travels in our DNA. Like, like you said, our ancestors almost they embedded us mm-hmm. with this notion like you're going to be victorious regardless. Yep. And I think it is important to see the struggle first, and then to mm-hmm. climb over that to uh, to get to the other side of victory. Yes. So.
0: And I see pleasure as an ontological mode of that freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we we need to, like, be in it, and yeah. we need to sit. It's functional, you know? Related back to what we're studying, it's functional. It should be a part of our paradigm. Right. The way that we experience joy and pain and how how we find satisfaction in life, that is a vehicle to freedom. Right. You know? Or to our liberation, at least. Freedom is a vehicle to our liberation. Shout out to Professor Baina Bello from Haiti. <laughs> uh, she said that. She says that freedom is the vehicle to our liberation. So if we don't even know what free feels like, if we haven't mm. even experienced the freedom of just... Like, uh, you know, yeah. getting home and taking your shoes off, seeing your beautiful family, like right. eating a good, delicious meal, playing a good game of spades, Okay. Feeling like, some music. <laughs> if we don't even know what that is like, if we're just pessimistic in life, we will never be liberated. That's yeah. real. That's
1: real. Yeah. And when we talk about our paradigm for people who might be listening for the first time, we're really talking about an Afrocentric paradigm. Yeah. Um when we're talking about an Afrocentric paradigm, we're really just talking about studying the world from the perspective of African people or Black folks. You know yes. what I mean? And um, I think that's interesting because one thing we always talk about is that victorious consciousness. Mm. And I'm all for I'm all for the trauma films and things like that. My only critique of those films is that I would like to see regular Black people. Like, you say regular. What's like, regular? just
2: Like us right here sitting, talking, having a conversation. Because I what? felt
1: like they were doing that in the, in the 1700s and early 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, felt I could like, see that. I feel like the humanity of black people gets taken away a lot of mm-hmm. times in those enslavement movies. You know what yep. I mean? where black people get defined as slaves, and the um, beauty or the pleasure of their story is their ability to overcome existence from their white CEOs of the plantation. And that is my biggest issue sometimes when I'm watching those films, is that like I wanna see somebody who is living on a plantation come home, see their family, you know what i'm saying play some good space. you know what i'm saying i know I, I i'm gonna be real like and a uh, part of my my critique is really um biased cuz i don't watch these movies like mm, i stopped that's real. i stopped watching these movies like uh, probably about 5 years ago because you know mm-hmm. they they they're cool but like i feel like i'm dealing with modes of oppression now i'm dealing with different mm-hmm. forms of resistance in my life now but I'm also on a mission not to let those things define the trajectory I take in life. Yeah. And I feel like that is a mentality that's always existed between men and women in our community. Mm-hmm. And I would really like for, you know, somebody who's a creative in film, you know, to really bring that out, you know, for the enslaved Africans of mm-hmm. that period, just like their everyday lives and the victorious stories that happened in those everyday lives yeah. that people would find entertaining. Like, give me, a, give me a movie about an enslaved African that don't got nothing to do with enslavement. Mm. Like, mm. give me one of them. Give yeah. me a movie set in the f- 17th. <laughs> it's I so lie. hard, bro. <laughs> like, it's so hard. I'm Maybe. Gonna... Mm,
3: nope, nope. Yeah, I was insane.
0: like going mm. in my
1: head. I'm like, nah. Nah, mm. that
2: definitely had You're that right. component. Like,
1: like, it's like that whole era mm. just is slave.
2: Working hard. Working hard. The, mm.
1: Or 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 somehow finding his maneuvering around this thing of slavery. Right. The bus know. just the Metro bus just drove past going crazy over oh, Biden. Yeah. Straight out to Joe Biden, man.
0: What is there a sign downstairs that says honk if with a peace sign or
1: something? Ah I I, listen, it's, I can't. <laughs> It's crazy. The Love. energy is crazy. The energy is crazy right <laughs> now. Man, I wish y'all was here with us today.
0: Going up. Going up right now.
1: But that's something that I do yeah. wish, you know what I mean? Because I feel like pleasure is felt no matter what circumstance you you find yourself in. You know what I mean? You find Maybe. I mean, people find pleasure in the wildest things though. Like that's true. even people who are going through the worst situations and resort to wild, crazy. Mm-hmm things, they are still in search for some form of pleasure in their life, regardless of what they're going through. And I want us to really start focusing on, you know, the the motivational forms of pleasure that African people and black people found in the worst predicaments that they ended up in in life, you know? And yeah. that'd be my thing, son. And I'd be really, I'd be really like, I be, man, watching them, like, when I be watching them shows in the movies, son, I be going through it, like, mm-hmm. like, my soul be going through it, like, I be turning it off, son, like.
2: And that that's the other thing about it.
1: That's the other thing about it
2: is, like, yes, it's good, but it can also be traumatic as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, I almost feel like it's got to be a personal choice. Like, I don't think it can be something that we decide for everyone. Like, I I almost think it's got to be a personal choice because that your heart starts beating at certain scenes. Like, you feel real depressed on other scenes, you know? Like, because you can actually put yourself in there. Mm -hmm. And like I was talking about DNA before, I I almost feel like we don't need this stuff for real because it's it's in us. Mm -hmm. We already know, but... I don't know. I, I'm so back and forth about. Them. I see what y'all are
0: saying though. Like I'm so back and forth. I see you both need this to, to be balanced. You, yes. you want yeah. balance in these in these movies because we know, like from our stories that we hear and the things that we feel, that it wasn't just hard work all the time. So I definitely see that you you want to see more balance in these enslavement movies. Like what what y'all doing when you get off work? You know yeah. how was how was Nana making you know the pot of stew of whatever we got today mm. you know, from the harvest. Facts
1: and even yeah. like with the singing of the songs, like I know they took pride in them songs, yes. bro. Like them work songs, like I know for a fact, like. You know what I mean? Whoever came up with the with yeah. the with the mm-hmm. rhythm, Who the started? melody, like I know they like yo, this the joint. Like listen, yo, we, this the joint we Maybe. gonna hit. Yes. like I done had a terrible job. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, but we would find ways to like make it like entertaining. Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like we would get through that yes. day. Like we would get through that day. Those like,
0: songs built our railroad. Mm-hmm. Those songs built these buildings, the roads. Is, it's built like towns. Those songs have
2: helped sure, us yeah. get
1: through. And those songs yeah. built the institution of hip hop. You Come know on. what I mean? Like when we're talking about the, the right continuation. There. Like, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like the map just got drawn. I'm like, wait a minute. The whole connection just got yep. nah,
1: when Nah, because y'all, y'all be inspiring. Right. <laughs> That's why I love doing these interviews, because y'all literally changed the way I think in yeah. the conversations that we're having. Absolutely. And you said something profound earlier. Jennifer, when you were start talking about like we might not own the the resources of hip hop, but we are the resource. Mm, yes, like we are the we are the resource. What's the what's the science fair project? The resource you cannot change. Um, <laughs> uh, Look,
2: sir. <laughs> I don't, know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, talking about the right thing? Like, you know, <laughs> you got know. the dependent and the independent. Oh, um, the variable. The variable. Oh, yeah. we, yeah. we are the independent variable. We mm-hmm. are the variable yeah. that you cannot change. You yep. know yeah. What I mean? Yep. So, like,
0: you, you need us. You need, you need us. us. Can't to nobody keep it come forward. and make
1: these work songs? It
0: yeah. is. It is the voice <laughs> of our community. <laughs> Can't nobody
1: else come and yeah. make these work songs? Because these work songs are born in experiences that other people have not been. That have that been forced to mm-hmm. make it through, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty about music, and that's the beauty about just all of these things that we're talking about is that, you know, we are creating soundtracks, or we are creating guides for people to navigate through experiences that we are bound to interact with, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's on that end, I'm like, you know, we do need, you know, that type of stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because... You feel it, like when you, and I had Jasmine uh, do an interview. And oh, yeah. Her
0: visceral trauma? Yes, her oh, visceral
1: trauma. We ritualized, like this, we're yes. like this.
0: Yeah.
1: It, it, it really Profound. struck me, you know, and we were really, you know, I always ask people, you know, like at the end of the show, like, and I'm, now I'm posing this question to you guys, is like... um, What is the application of our theory into the future? Cause I believe that in our department specifically, and I feel like every department does this, but for our department, we create the terms that people can use to critique the phenomenon that is being made in the name of the black and African community. Mm -hmm. So if someone is making something that is speaking to our people, that is speaking to our culture, that is speaking to our community, I feel as though they can look at the research that we have committed our lives to as a means of critiquing if that thing is really for us and really mm-hmm. speaks from our perspective. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about colorism, when we're talking about ethnocide, when we're mm-hmm. talking about pleasure and the body and music and things like that, what are some of the things that you guys would say are like the cornerstones of understanding these things from an African or a black, or the perspective of black people?
2: That's that question,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it was long-winded. I'm sorry. No, I got it. It
0: gave yeah. us
2: some time to... I, well, I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as colorism and mass media goes, that Afrocentric lens is irreplaceable. It is invaluable. So having African creators, people of the African um, diaspora, and having them create with the interest of Black people in mind is going to be consequential to ending colorism in media at all and ending it amongst our community. So when you ask that question, it's really just applying Afrocentricity, the Afrocentric philosophy to the things that we do in our everyday lives, making sure that when we check ourselves, like when we go outside and we say something like you don't make stereotypical responses. You try to completely erase that from you because when you know better, you do better. So it's just essentially that's that's what I'm gathering from it. Like the functional aspect is putting the actual philosophy into motion and not just talking about it, but doing something about it.
1: Nice, 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 nice. I love that.
0: (laughs) And I agree. Mine is really an Afrocentric lens because pleasure is something that is natural. So I'm encouraging anyone that is on this path to liberation, especially for African people, that we find what is most natural to our, our own existence, to our own purpose, our own divine purpose. Um, what What is it that we're meant to do and how are we supposed to conduct ourselves and behave ourselves in this moment and ex- while we're experiencing it? Mm-hmm. Um, pleasure is, again, ontological mode of freedom. So we need to actually like visualize ourselves pleased and yeah. <laughs> we need to act on it. It's functional as well. You know, yeah. when we are feeling pleased or satisfi- satisfied, satisfied, what, what else are we going to do? You know, when you kick your feet off, are you going to share a story with your children or with your family? Are you going to call a girlfriend up, a boyfriend up? Like, what's up? Um, It's just a a way of being. So just what's natural, honestly.
1: That's amazing, man. Mm. That's amazing. I'm definitely honored to have you two (laughs) on the show today as guests, you know? And I definitely think the listeners are really going to enjoy the conversation we had today. Um... Overall, like I always say, man, just be in tune with yourself, you know, be in Mm -hmm. tune with your own humanity. Mm -hmm. Because once you understand the life force that you possess and the fact that you are a spinoff or a sequel to the story of someone else, Mm -hmm. then you start looking at other people the same way and you start understanding that that person or that thing or that Mm -hmm. flower or that food Mm. is also... um, owes its life and owes its energy to someone else or something else, and you can respect it as such. You know what I mean? Like, meeting people on a human level, to me, is the most important thing in the world for all people. Like, whether you're a light-skinned woman, whether you're a dark-skinned woman, whether you're a light-skinned man, whether you're an Asian man, whether you're a white woman, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, we are all, uh, we all owe our lives to someone else. And we are all understanding that we're dealing with the people we come from, but we also are dealing with the people around us and how the people around us want to shape the perspective mm. of our virtue, of our lives, of our destinies. And we can't let that happen. We have to be the masters and the planners of our own outcomes in life, mm. you know.
0: Hundred
1: percent that. So you know, with all that being stated. <laughs> right. You was
2: about to get another conversation started, but okay. I know we're uh-oh, at uh-oh. So... Hey, listen, man. Hey,
1: listen, man, this thing owned by us, man.
2: All right. This thing owned by us. You feel
1: me? We talk for as long as we wanna talk in this piece. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs>
2: No, I feel like I was okay. So, I was just gonna say that, like, while on my walk over here, I was thinking about like the power of manifestation. And I really consider that to be like a part of my personal philosophy, like, the idea of knowing that I have the power to make changes. Around me, and mm-hmm. like you talking about that whole life force thing, it just got that ignited in me, yes.
1: yeah. Straight up, we are manifestors,
2: yeah. We have that energy already
0: inside of us, yeah. It's just blocked, yeah. Straight
1: up, straight up, straight up. Mm-hmm. I got another show we call Verily Verified, mm-hmm. you know, coming from that. Verily, Verily, I say unto thee, mm-hmm.
0: you know
1: what I mean? okay. and um, they they it was this powerful moment where um, we were talking about one of the scriptures in the Bible. Don't give me the uh, quoting or Okay. (laughs) But it was basically to sum it all up. um, Mm -hmm. Someone was basically mad at how they looked. You know what I mean? Like physically? Yeah. And God said, if you don't like my creation, go and create something. Yeah. Mm. Go Mm. and create. Like you have the ability to create beautiful things. Yeah no matter no and I don't care how bad life may seem I don't care mm. how bothered you are by your own reflection you have the yes. ability to create and manifest beautiful things yeah. It's not always about the physical. It's it's, it's really about the spiritual, emotional, and connection you have with your ability to manifest things Mm -hmm. in the physical world. Like, the physical world is more than what you look like. It's more than who you are. It's Mm -hmm. really your connection with everything around you. Mm. And we are posted, we are made to be complementary pieces in the universe. Mm. And as long as we're focused on being complementary versus competitive, then it's nothing that's going to stop us from getting to the end goals that we have set out for ourselves in. It With doesn't. that being said, thank man, you. thank y'all again Thank
3: you <laughs> Thank you for That's having us there, You
1: know, And we definitely hope that the audience appreciates it This is another episode of Road to Scholarship Make sure y'all follow us on Instagram At the Rich Podcast Network Make sure y'all check out the YouTube Make sure y'all check out richpodcastnetwork.com And you, oh. we love y'all We out, <laughs> all man that, all Peace.
3: <laughs>